0: what is going on everybody welcome to the show this is your host rasheel patnola today i have with me gavin and jess gavin and jess are the founders of travel world culture otherwise known as twc travel world culture aims to bring affordable travel to anyone by creating a community of travelers Since the company's inception in 2018, Gavin and Jess have been able to curate numerous groups, numerous group and custom trips across 16 countries all over the world. These countries include Croatia, Morocco, Germany, Guatemala, the Netherlands, and many more. You can find them online on Instagram and TikTok at Travel World Culture, along with their main website, TravelWC.com. Gavin and Jess, how are you guys doing today?
1: Pretty, pretty good. Yeah,
0: doing great. Thanks it's for having nice. us. Thanks for coming on to the show. I am super pumped to be having this conversation with you guys. I think that travel is something that is very near and dear to me. And it's cool to see you guys create a business out of something you enjoy. Um, how would you guys kind of get started or kind of what led you guys to be where you guys are at today?
1: Uh, I guess for me, I kind of joined in the picture in college. We met in college. But if you talk to any of Gavin's family, they'll tell you that Gavin was the travel guy from Way before that, which I actually didn't know, your, his aunt brought up that even in middle school, high school, he would tell her, you know, Aunt Jay, I'm, I'm out of here. Once school's over, I'm gone. I'm going to travel the world. Um, But yeah, we met at UT Austin and met in the dorm rooms. And by our senior year, we just decided we did want to take a gap year. We did want to travel and try something. And we actually looked into a lot of different avenues to do so to pay our way the the way that we ended up getting started was by teaching English online and that is how we paid our way to start traveling for the first few months and got on a one-way flight to Medellin Colombia and taught English in the mornings, started at about 3 a.m that time zone and we would teach until early morning, something like nine or ten a.m., and then we'd have the rest of the days to just kind of explore, uh, explore Colombia, but then also explore what we wanted to do. And as for how the business idea came about, that is all Gavin. So I, mm-hmm.
2: well, it was one
1: hundred percent his idea.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was actually it's it's interesting because she says it's my idea, but. Um, Our first ever itinerary is one that she technically planned. Um, It was actually our first big international trip together. And uh, we went to Ecuador and did this kind of like mixed adventure trip um, and just like fell in love with it. But what we realized is that it's so difficult to travel in an affordable way um, as just like a solo traveler in a lot of situations. Um, One of the situations that... I'll never forget is us just like standing on the side of a highway hailing down like these massive buses in Ecuador. Mm-hmm. And you know, if your Spanish isn't um decently fluent and um, you know, there's a lot of ways to kind of get tripped up. Yeah, tripped up for <laughs> sure. And so um, yeah, we we were just like kind of sitting there and thinking about it and being like, wow, you know, how easy would this be if we just had like A group of people all sharing like an awesome private transport instead of having to like hail down these buses and then split the cost it'll be the same cost as like taking the public buses
1: and instead of being in a room with a bunch of random people you know you're with a group that has all kind of come together from one common source um and so in a lot of our groups people tend to know each other and that helps people feel comfortable a lot um kind of like a common Texas is definitely a
2: common theme but you know yeah or even now I mean most of our travelers are uh, well are solo travelers because they're coming on the trip without anybody that they know but within a couple of days it's it's a pretty yeah. tight tight group which is awesome yeah. like we absolutely love to see that and that's a massive massive reason for creating these group adventures as well as to uh, you know really try and implement this community. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah,
1: so sitting in Medellin just a few months after we started, we would go to the same cafe every day, and that's where we filed all of our paperwork, got started, yeah. and kind of made our plan. Yeah,
2: I know it's, I mean, it's you know, we were teaching English in the morning, and then you'd finish around like 8 a.m., and then we'd have the day just to work on either TWC or other business ideas that we were trying to formulate. But
0: yeah, that's awesome. I'm going to pause for a second and backtrack. Now, you guys mentioned you were on a trip in Ecuador. Was Mm -hmm. that during your time as a student in college or kind of what led to the actual inception of, hey, maybe we can create a business out of this?
1: The Ecuador trip was during our senior year. Yeah, Yeah. we both went. It was just the two of us and we went on our winter break uh, during our senior year, but I would say before that, the the trip or the time that really inspired Gavin and both of us to want to live abroad and start kind of living as a nomad was during his junior year, Gavin moved abroad to Scotland for a semester. And the following summer, I backpacked Europe solo. So those two things influenced us coming back our senior year after adventures like that. We really felt Like we wanted to keep going. And so we did plan the Ecuador trip. And there were some moments on the Ecuador trip where we realized yeah, having someone planning a trip for a group would really help. There's one moment in particular where we stayed up late. There's a hostel in Quito, Ecuador that offers these fishbowl drinks and this bus. And somehow Gavin convinced me that it was a good idea to go out on this bus at midnight when we needed to get up in the morning at six. And so we did somehow still get up at six, taxi across the city, caught three different bus lines to get where we were going. And then once we got there, we realized we needed to get this special car transport to this other city to start a hike. And so we had to split up. One of us ran to go drop our bags off. One of us was in line trying to buy tickets. Like the clock is counting down to the last car of the day to get out into this remote part of ecuador um to start a hike um, and we made it but that's when we realized you know hey if there is maybe 10 to 15 of us on a bus and we just split the cost and had a private driver and maybe the driver could show us some things tell us about ecuador and
2: and make it a better experience make it a overall, much better right experience, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, right and i think that That um, What you guys are doing is a very clever idea and it's definitely solving a problem because one thing I've noticed, I guess, in my own life is that if if I am ever trying to plan a trip with a bunch of group, with a group of friends, it never ends up happening because nobody ends up, nobody puts their head down and kind of plans it. And by having an itinerary, which you guys take care of, that solves the problem. Yeah. And
2: also, you know, Jess and I actually talk about this a lot, which is uh, funny that you bring that up. But, um, you know, a lot of people that come on our trips are the type of people who, you know, they come and they're like, you know, I was waiting to do this exact exact like type of trip with my friends. And just it just never happens. And so I decided to join your your group and then they do and they meet, you know, like minded people that also are super open to like, you know, new adventures and uh, meeting people with different backgrounds and stuff. And cause we've had travelers from all over the world now, which is really exciting too. Um, yeah. And so it's, it's funny you bring that up cause there's definitely the, I'm too tired of waiting for my friends to want to travel. So I'm going to just do it on my own type of mentality.
0: It's um, a good way to put it. <laughs> so, we'll get to the trips after Ecuador in a second, but I guess this brings me to my next point. And I want to share a quote with you guys that I found back in March of 2022 at this random hotel in Barcelona. And it said, travel is the only thing you buy that makes you richer. And I was hoping that you guys could kind of expand on that and I'm also very curious if you guys would say that there's a difference between taking a vacation and traveling like what is sort of the nuance behind that
1: yeah that's that kind of hits right at the heart of our message which our big kind of slogan, I guess you could call it, is don't be a tourist, be a traveler, because I do think there is a huge difference when we're talking about all different kinds of things. um, You know, even when I look at what's better for the environment, you know, that separates a tourist and a traveler. Um, You know, thinking, considering the locals, that separates a tourist and a traveler. Um, For us personally, we much prefer travel over just taking a vacation or uh, a a tour, I guess you would say. And so really, for me, travel, when you talk about it's the only thing that you spend money on that makes you richer. uh, That's the message I grew up receiving from my mom who grew up in Europe, moved to the States as a teenager and has kind of spent her life in several different places and always kind of shared with me the value of travel. And she would say this one phrase in particular, that was travel is an education in itself. So she wanted me to have opportunities in order to learn a lot because you do learn a ton. I think the biggest thing travel gives you is an expanded perspective. Um, you really do see how things are outside of your home, your hometown or your state or country. Um, And you learn a lot about how other people are living, different cultures, different religions, um, different conflicts going on in the world. You really get a better view um, and it's extremely interesting and it really opens up your mind, kind of makes you more open to different ideas. Um, And that's one of the coolest things to see on our trips is people coming and for the first time, really considering, oh, like there's a different People all over the world are living in different ways, um, have different value systems, different, different customs, different ways of just walking in the street next to each other. Um, and so it's really interesting and that's a big topic on all the trips is like eye contact, uh, personal space like this these are things that are culturally different everywhere you go and it's really exciting for people to kind of come on a trip for the first time and see how things are different or come on a second third trip and compare different continents different cultures languages religions it's really interesting um and so yeah like my mom said uh traveling is an education and i will say i always want to be sure to point out that traveling is also a privilege and there are so many privileges that come with that, um, starting even from passport privilege, you know, um, we travel with American passports as a huge privilege there's so many places that we can go and that's not accepted that aren't accessible to everyone around the world. Um, and, every, you know, even from there, um, the expenses of travel and even when it isn't expensive to travel that still having um, extra money to go, you know, is something that not everyone is able to do, etc. So there's so many privileges that come with it. So we really try to not take it for granted, um, and to be appreciative of, of every moment and for these experiences. And so I think, yeah, when we talk about what does it mean to be a traveler, there's so many things. And so as you can probably tell, we love to go into it. And there's a lot that we share with the people coming on our trips, but just a few things that we think make a traveler, um, you know, instead of just focusing on some curated experiences we like to encourage people to explore to see where locals are eating places locals recommend and so we always connect with our local partners in each everywhere we go and get try to get the best recs the best places the best places to eat and go things to see and do um and having local guides with us on a lot of days of the trips is like the most necessary thing you know, because they have so much to share with you that yeah. um that the group leader from TWC wouldn't be able Thank to to include. Um, But even in terms of what caring for the environment, like a traveler would take a bus if it's an option over a flight. A traveler would use a reusable water bottle when it's an option, um, would consider and be respectful towards the locals um, and rather than feeling like they're an outsider looking in on someone else's life, like trying to become a part of it, get to know people and talk. So Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it, but we definitely try to encourage people to embrace travel um, as an idea and everything that comes with it. Um, Trying to leave a positive impact where you go is a big part of it, for sure.
0: Wow, thank you for sharing that. I'm glad that you touched on traveling in a more socially, environmentally conscious kind of way and touch some light onto that. Um, before I ask my next question I would just like to add on that I agree with you 100% I think that traveling is such a cool unique experience I was born in India so I've had the I've been fortunate enough to go and spend my summers visiting grandparents um, seeing the world and I think that traveling is something that everyone should at least try and do once in their life, because it definitely broadens one's horizons, Um, you know, going and going out of your original or like going to a new place, being out of your original routine, um, immersing yourself into the culture, um, seeing, trying new foods. Uh, engaging with the people it's just a very cool experience and it really shows you that you know there's multiple ways of how to do i guess life or be a functioning human being yeah um, Yeah. (laughs) so i guess that brings me to my next question which is that jess you mentioned that traveling is a privilege um does traveling need to be expensive can you do it um on a budget i think that there's this preconceived notion that traveling is very expensive and um right i think that there's this preconceived notion that traveling is very ex- in a, is very expensive and is that something that you want to touch on can we travel on a budget
1: i i do think people can travel on a budget and I'll share what our budget was when we first started, it was about $600 a month per person for flights and accommodation and food and activity. So everything all together. And, you know, before we even answer the question, you know, I still bring back in that having any ability to travel, I still think is always a privilege. I mean, even um, in terms of having the time, the physical ability, um, so many things. So I always like to preface with that because, um, I think it's important to highlight that. And that I still think that there are many people who could travel if they did know some information about how to make it budget oriented or ways that they can get travel paid for some, some of those things. And we, have known so many people who have done all these different things everything from being an au pair in spain is a common place i see that spain and france have known a few people who've done that we have several friends who have relocated to spain to permanently teach english um we have many friends there right now actually Mm -hmm. and so those are both jobs where often includes uh not necessarily relocation pay, um, but monthly pay as in like a salary, um,
2: like you won't be spending anything to travel at that point. Right. Um, yeah. And then, you know, in terms of like not long-term travel, like, um, just Mm -hmm. taking a trip, um, Mm -hmm. you know, there are definitely ways to make it affordable. And, um, that's how we started mainly. I mean, we didn't have, much money. I had student loans and stuff when we first went to Ecuador and stuff. And so our budgets were tiny, you know, a few hundred dollars for a 10, 11 day trip. And you can, you know, it used to be, uh, well, it still is. I mean, you can really find ways to travel affordably. And I know affordably is kind of, you know, dependent on the person, but budget airlines are a great way to um, get to the places that you want, especially in Latin America, you know, airlines like spirit. And I think now frontier and even Southwest, they're starting to fly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Which is, which is really exciting. Um, And then, yeah, I mean, once you're there, you know, a lot of people have this, you know, predisposition that hostels are dangerous and scary and stuff, but, Really, hostels are a fantastic place to meet people as a solo traveler. And they're also, in a lot of ways, extremely comfortable. You're around a lot of people, similar age groups. They always have activities planned that you can do. Um, it's also a really great way to like meet local people because a lot of the times the people working at hostels are locals who also just like to kind of hang out and show uh, people visiting around.
1: Yeah. Um, Um, Oftentimes, hostels are some of the safest places to be, in my opinion. If I know a solo traveler arriving at a big city by themselves, I wouldn't recommend just any random hotel Mm -hmm. in any place. Hostels are catering to travelers, so they're going to have information how to get tuned from the airport, how to sign up for a walking tour, where to go at night, uh, pub crawls to join so you don't have to go out at night, activities, ways to meet people, um, laundry service you know, so many things Um, and just general advice. They pretty much every hostel will say, you know, come up and ask questions. Um, Yeah. I mean,
2: hostels have completely shaped the way that Jess and I travel, um, which is really cool Mm -hmm. to talk about. Yeah. Um,
1: And so that's in the short term or long term. I know people who travel for months on end in hostels, but we've also often looked into how to get um, really good deals on like month long stays. And so sometimes you can search Facebook groups. Um, we've stayed in Lisbon. We stayed in a house with, I think, 11 roommates of ours, um, which was honestly the best way we could have done it. We got to spend the holidays with them and learn so much and try all kinds of food, and they were always up to things. So it was a much more, it felt like a really rich way to um, explore the city. Um, And so, yeah, we had just a private room there and, Mm -hmm. you know, I do think these setups kind of require people to step outside their comfort zone because this isn't like a vacation, you know, it's not a perfect hotel room all to Mm -hmm. yourself where, and the easiest transfer and Mm -hmm. restaurant right there in the hotel and make it just super simple. And that's Um, the
2: major difference, right? Is you know, we always say, um, Being a traveler is more like, you know, really realizing to or realizing that you can be super comfortable while being uncomfortable Um, and like being comfortable with the uncomfort is is how you can travel affordably and still have an just amazing experience. Um, Our trips now are definitely like people come on our trip and we're making sure that they're comfortable. Right. Like I'm I'm talking. mainly solo, solo traveling. I
1: would say like coming on one of our trips is a good way to get started because it'll give you a taste of traveling of all the experiences, but we do have handled for you the accommodation, the transportation and your airport transfer. So if you are a first time solo traveler, you know, I get a lot of people emailing me being like, I'm really nervous. Um, I don't know how I'm going to like meet you guys, how I'm going to do anything with anyone. I'm like, you don't have to worry about any of that. Coming with a group like this is the best way to just dive in head first because you really don't have to think about those little details. Um, but there are ways for people who want to get started traveling. Um, there are lots of groups of people, especially Facebook groups. Facebook seems to be the place where these groups exist. Like we even have a Facebook group for nomads. Um, but there's tons of Facebook groups for each city, especially like digital nomad hotspots like Medellin, those are, those are hotspots. So there is always going to be a Facebook group of all the nomads in one place, um, like that. And And they do
2: meetups and and stuff where you can meet people doing very similar, um, things.
1: And the other way you can travel affordably, um, I think is really cool, but you do need to be a little cautious about, and this can be short-term or long-term. There are a couple of of websites where volunteer positions are listed, essentially. Um, One is called Workaway, uh, but there are several. Workaway is just the one we used. Um, We, and essentially what these are, are like you can volunteer for, one two three four plus weeks however long the post is for so you search through posts and volunteer positions are listed they tell you how many hours a week you'd be working what you'd be working on and then in exchange they offer room and usually food Uh, our we did this one month back in early 2019 and it also included a car on weekends and all some other stuff too and in exchange we I did gardening work. This was like a permaculture farm and Gavin worked on designing some um, engineering. He worked on engineering some wastewater systems for them. Um, But there's tons of different listings. And the only reason I'd say be cautious about it is that obviously the these hosts need to be vetted. So I would always do your research, talk to them first, read reviews, et cetera. But I know a lot of people who do this and. It's how they can stay and in a place and be getting free accommodation. Um, But
2: even short term, you know, it's a fantastic way to really immerse yourself into a culture because you're living with um, these people. And depending on where you are and what um, what job or volunteering opportunity you choose, you know, you can really really like immerse yourself into like learning a different language or learning a specific type of culture revolving around one religion or you know any any type of
1: some of them um, are like volunteering at hostels or for someone's bed and breakfast some of them are like we run a business taking people on hikes and adventures in Patagonia and we need someone to help us run behind run things behind the scenes so there's all kinds of different volunteering uh, opportunities on there mm-hmm. so that's really exciting for people who are looking for yeah short-term or long-term situation but there are definitely ways to to make it affordable um mm-hmm. and i think that not many people realize that that mm-hmm. how affordable things can be if you are living as a digital nomad um
0: i'm gonna pause you guys for a second yeah for the people who are listening what who aren't familiar what a digital nomad is what is a digital nomad
1: yeah so a digital nomad I guess in in my definition is someone who is working as they travel so they are a nomad and they are digitally working so working online or I guess you don't have to be working online. You could be just kind of traveling around um, doing these different volunteering positions. Um, But I wouldn't consider a digital nomad someone who has permanently moved to one place. I would consider nomads people who are staying in places for a month, a few months, a few weeks, and they're kind of traveling and moving around, and especially since the pandemic with a lot more people working online, this has become more common in a lot of countries are actually releasing digital nomad visas. Mm -hmm. So if you wanted to say, go to Greece, um, you only get 90 days on your tourist visa. So now they're offering a digital nomad visa. You can stay, I actually don't know what it is. Some of these visas are up to a year, for example. Um, And so you have to prove how you're funding yourself, what, that you have this income online, And a few other things. And then, yeah, you have a visa to stay in that place for a longer amount of time. So, yeah, and that's pretty
2: revolutionary because that was never the case before COVID, only in like very, very limited countries. Um, So it's really exciting for this type of community who wants to immerse themselves in cultures abroad or outside the U.S., but still um, wants to have that stable income and stable like job which is
0: really exciting. Right. So essentially what a digital nomad is, is somebody who is able to work remote either for themselves or for their job. And concurrently by doing that, they are also traveling. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess to circle back to the previous point, now you guys would say so. Let's say somebody is a digital nomad; they want to travel, but they want to travel in a affordable way and minimize their expenses. You guys would recommend that people either look into staying at hostels versus full on hotels, or kind of using sites like Workaway to find work. So it depends. Teaching. Or it depends, kind of, and this
2: is where uh, it's tough, right? Because there's many avenues of what people are wanting, you know, you have the people who don't want to have an online job. Um, They, they want to travel the world in an affordable way without having uh, like an actual uh, position at a company or through their self-employment. And those people, we recommend doing a more like workaway volunteering experience, because that's a fantastic way to basically not spend much money at all over like even a year of travel.
1: Or hostel backpacking where you're paying a very low amount. Per per night, night yeah.
2: Or per month, you could probably make deals with the hostels. Yeah, And um, you know, that's that one avenue. And then you have the avenue of the digital nomad who now you're in a place where you're like, okay, I need to be comfortable. I need a place that I can work comfortably. And that is still a professional atmosphere and that gets a little bit more difficult. Um, and we also curate trips for people like that. Um, we call them remote working experiences. A lot of people use the term co-live for these type of experiences. And, um, basically what we do for those trips is we set up everything from like the month accommodation, in your own room with your own bathroom plus we give you access to a co-working space that the rest of the group and the community that we uh, facilitate are all working in as well and then we also do a really really cool weekend adventure that kind of plays off of our um, our trips our group trips and we take we take the remote working group to one of our favorite parts of that country or that area and get to explore and have like a fantastic weekend. Um, that's all included by like our travel services. Mm-hmm.
1: I, to be fair, I do know some people who are digital nomads, and they are working a job remotely. So they have a boss, they have meetings they have to tune into. And they sometimes do work out of hostels, although it's risky, because it could be loud. And if you don't have your own room, that could be tough. There are some hostels that do offer private rooms as well. And so I know some people who also get a private room. Uh, You could work from hotels, that's really not going to be the most affordable option. And so there are now places forming or being created just for people working remotely. And so these are, like Gavin said, called co living hostels or co living hotels. Um, and so these are kind of popping up all over the place. And the concept is a shared room or a private room. And on site, there's a co working space. So an office where you have a desk and coffee and reliable Wi Fi and water and outlets. You, and, outlets yeah. and you go there. And so we get questions from people all the time interested in our remote working experiences being like, oh, I'm on meetings all day. Is that possible? Um, And honestly, yeah, a lot of people that come on our groups do have what they would consider a corporate job. So they have a boss they have to check in with, they have meetings to come, uh, that they have to be online at a certain time and responsibilities. We do also get people who are self-employed, graduate students, um, all kinds of different setups, but also a lot of people who do have a a job where they have specific requirements. And so, yeah, these co-living spaces, co-living hotels, however you want to call it, are a really interesting new thing. They're fairly new and they're growing a lot in the post-pandemic as the world is transitioning. Um, Things are looking a lot different with regards to remote work.
2: Yeah, and back in 2021, the beginning of 2021, that's when we started these remote working experiences. And we did about six months of the uh six months straight of these remote working experiences, all in different countries around Latin America. So same time zone as the US. Um and it was really interesting because I think what was the percentage of people who got promoted during those six uh, months? It was like
1: like 30. Five or 40% of the people received a promotion in that six months they were traveling. So they were definitely getting on their meetings, doing their work. Yeah, and being Um,
2: productive. And, you know, it's so interesting because when you are in these, you know, when you're in these different atmospheres and you're getting, you know, like immersed into different cultures and languages and everything your brain is working in different ways and it makes you a lot more creative and so in a lot of ways it can make you a lot more productive and by you know the whatever percentage of people got promoted um kind of solidified that um to Jess and I that you know it really is true if you're traveling in a way to where you can still be you know with a community of people that you really like, plus productive during your work day, plus getting to explore stuff in the evenings and on weekends and immerse yourself in these cultures, you really, um, you really excel as like a a person as a human. Um, And it's really exciting to see. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. I can see how, you know, being introduced to new and novel stimuli would make someone more creative. And it would, you know, like you said, lead to a promotion. Um, My next question is that, oh, this is what I was going to ask you guys. So have you, we are currently in 2023, the pandemic, we could say it started in 2020. And we saw people I guess the question that I am trying to ask you guys is have you guys still seen an increase in people traveling doing this sort of digital nomad lifestyle or because I know you know half of the world is still working remote the other half has gone back into the office kind of what have you guys seen in terms of a just I guess broader outlook?
1: It's definitely still increasing and even a lot of companies that have say gone back into the office have adopted some different policies. So now it's really common for people to get one to two days a week working remotely from home. And in that same with that same idea, a lot of companies are now offering as a perk, um, you get one month a year where you can just work remotely. And say maybe it's from anywhere in the U.S. and you can work anywhere in the U.S. remotely for that month. Or some companies are also offering the same idea for working abroad. So they'll say you get six weeks that you can work abroad or four weeks. Um, So even companies that are somewhat back in the office have adopted some of these policies. I think a lot of their employees are interested in them, especially younger Um, younger people are interested in these perks and I know a lot of people who are saying I would only accept a new job right now that was fully remote I want only a fully remote position so I don't want any ties to an office so we still know a lot of people who are working remotely or especially for a lot of our remote working experiences they've been given a certain amount of time that they can work remotely anywhere in the U.S. or abroad for example so I don't think that those policies are going to go away now that people are have an idea of what it's like and the pros to remote work. Of course, a lot of companies have gone back into the office in general, but still, it still leaves people with the opportunity to use those one month a year or six weeks a year um, opportunities to go abroad and kind of get a break from their normal routine. Mm-hmm. The
0: people who are coming on you guys' trips. um, Is there a certain age range that they mainly are? Or And also, you mentioned that you guys cater to two different crowds. One who is just people who are just traveling. They might be um, not working at the moment in regards to like they're taking some time off or other people who are still working. They have meetings. Kind of what have you guys seen Um, in regards to the people who come on your trips. And also, second question. Um, whenever you guys are curating these trips, are there certain like themes and areas that you kind of choose to curate it around?
1: Yeah, I mean, for age range, that's a pretty simple one. Um, we have two different types of trips. Well, really, three, because our third branch of our of TWC is custom trips that's for any ages so we see a huge range there um honeymoons like all kinds of stuff um but then our other two types of group trip trips like Gavin said the first type the what we started with are just week-long trips um and so yeah people most people are just taking PTO to come on those trips or they're college students on a break etc Um, And then the other type of group trip are the month long packages for people working remotely. So to come on one of our month long remote working experiences, you have to have you have to be working or in school. So that's one of our requirements. Um, So we don't get anybody coming on those trips who are just looking for a month long um, trip. Um, You know, we try to keep it like people kind of have a similar schedule, whatever. Like so the group kind of blends But for both of our types of trips, week-long trips and the month-long ones for people working remotely, our age range is technically 18 to 40. So 18 is a firm minimum. No one can Mm -hmm. sign up younger than that, um, that we don't very frequently get uh, 18-year-olds anyways. Um, And 40 is kind of a soft maximum um you know especially if someone was already part of the community had gone to know us Etc you know we don't have a super strict uh cutoff there we just offer that number for the comfort of the travelers themselves so that they know hey generally the people signing up for our trips are usually in their mid to late 20s early 30s so that's kind of our average and so we give that kind of soft maximum. Um, age of 40, just for the comfort of the people signing up themselves. And yeah, in terms of themes, I would definitely say adventure is the theme. So we we are curating adventure travel. That's what we're trying to do. And not to say that it's constant, all the time, uncomfortable. You know, we go to the Blue Lagoon Spa when we're in Iceland, uh, but we also hike on a glacier. So we try to get a good mix, but I think definitely we focus on adventure travel. So uh,
2: yeah, we focus on, you know, if we're going to make you work for something in terms of a hike or something like that, we want the reward to be fantastic. And um, you know, so I think, yeah, it's definitely a adventure travel based um, itinerary, but in a lot of ways it's still so relaxing and um yeah you get a lot of like it's it's very like I don't know there's a ton of duality and
1: yeah we try to include all of it so we all like in Costa Rica we hike down to a waterfall we come back up but then we go to the hot springs and yeah all of it kind of has an element of adventure but we still still relax and I would also say As we have gotten older, we're in our fifth year of TWC now, I would kind of say the average age of our trips reflects our own age. So every year it gets a little bit older. Mm -hmm. Uh, And with that, I would say most of our trips, our group trips and our remote working trips, we don't host out hostels uh, for the majority of the time anymore. So when we first started, that was the main focus. Um, And the average age of our trips was 21, 22 Um, But now, and especially with consideration of the pandemic, that was really the main catalyst that uh, encouraged us to change the accommodation style. A lot of our trips do use uh, hotels, excuse me. Um, And so sometimes we'll have uh, two person rooms. um, And like, for example, on our Iceland trip, um we stay at a four-star hotel in Reykjavik, um and
2: these insane suites and um, and in south iceland yeah
1: yeah. and and the reason why is like we won't recommend a place that's nice unless we think it's really worth it and in iceland it's worth it um because even a really cheap place in iceland is going to have a certain cost iceland's one of the most expensive places in the world so we pick places that we really recommend we think are worth it um Mm -hmm. but yeah we don't just cater to that hostile uh vibe anymore um so we are catering to adventure travel mixing in some relaxation but for just for example our accommodations range a lot from trip to trip so for each of our trips we highlight what kind of accommodation is featured on that trip on the trip page and it does vary quite a bit just really based on the trip And what we recommend for a certain place, the age range that tends to come on those trips, etc. So it is interesting, Um, but it has been fun because our age range has increased and changed over time and just where our travelers are coming from. I think I mentioned at the beginning um, of this episode that we are from Texas. We're from UT. We were living in Austin when we started traveling. Um, So a lot of people still are from Texas, which is so fun to see that connection. But we have people from all over. So we now have tons of people coming from Canada, the UK. We've had Sweden, uh, Switzerland, Belgium, Singapore, um, El Salvador. We've had people come from all over Mexico. So it's really been exciting um, to see that all kind of change. Like who's coming on our trips has been looking different, especially since in the last year or so we've been using social media a bit more and reached more people that way. Mm -hmm. And so of course, just naturally more people from outside of Texas are going to find our trips that way. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. It's so exciting though. You know, I think having people from outside the U S as well, join our, our groups really really, really adds to the educational experience that we were talking about at the beginning. Um, you know, like now it's like say you go to Iceland with us and you have people joining from, you know, Singapore and and Europe and all these other places, then you also get to learn about their cultures as well, right? It's not just learning about the Icelandic culture, which I think is is super cool to have mm-hmm. on just like one trip. Um, it adds so much to like I said, the educational side of, of travel.
1: Yeah.
0: That's awesome that you guys are able to bring all these people across the world together and curate these unique experiences. I think that ties into like the overall broader, broader theme of, uh, just traveling and creating that community. Um, and it's also super cool that you guys can You know, like you mentioned that your trips incorporate a bunch of excursions and you're able to um, have that happy medium between, you know, having some time alone and also getting that uh, adrenaline rush. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: um, my next question for you guys would be that this is something that I've been meaning to ask you guys, because I think you guys released a email or newsletter or something a year or two ago. And it's in regards to, again, traveling in a more affordable way. But I guess this question would be more geared to someone who is looking for a short-term trip, like a week or two. Mm -hmm. Um, Are there any specific uh, credit cards or, you know, I remember vividly reading, like you guys made this PDF and there's a day of like, it said, hey, travel or try to book flights on this particular day blah 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 i know you guys mentioned like or hinted at you know traveling um with specific mm-hmm. airlines is there a i guess the question that i am trying to ask is are there specific credit cards that you guys recommend to optimize traveling in a more budget-friendly way and this isn't an ad by the way I'm yeah just yeah, curious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we have no affiliation with any
2: credit yeah, cards Or or airlines, yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, utilizing credit card points or miles is such a good way to save money while traveling. Um, I would in no way call myself an expert on credit card points. There are like travel hack people and stuff like that, that this is all they do is just try to figure out ways to, um, you know, get free travel through using credit cards. And applying for new credit cards but no we really try to take advantage of um how much credit card points and miles can really like help you travel in an affordable way
1: um and there are credit cards that give you extra points back when you are spending on travels so especially for people like us traveling a lot yeah you rack up extra travel points like that and we kind of balance between using credit card points to purchase our flights and then budget flights. Yeah. So we always are taking a look at all the options. We look at our credit card points, miles we might've built up and then, okay, what are the budget options on the flight or uh, f- budget flight options to get somewhere? So we'll typically do a lot of research before we book something.
2: Yeah, we do. Um, yeah, it's, it's tough because I don't know if I want to say like a specific credit card. Um, you know, we use kind of a wide range of credit cards. And one of the biggest perks that we get asked about all the time, too, is getting the lounge passes mm-hmm. at the airports, which comes with a few credit cards. There's like an Amex one that it comes with. There's a Chase Sapphire uh, Reserve card that it comes with. And then there's a Capital One Venture X.
1: Um, And you always need to be careful because there's a side of this where this isn't just free money. So the bulk of the points, the bulk of the reward points that you'll get from opening a new travel credit card comes when you spend a minimum amount in the first three to four months. And that's really the biggest perk you'll get from having that card throughout the years that you may have it. And so there are some people play this game of opening a card, when to close it, when to open a new one, et cetera. But it is a dangerous game to play. And especially if someone is
2: not, not able to pay back yeah, like credit card spending yeah. mm-hmm. outside
1: of their means, or yeah. they're just inexperienced experience with credit cards. I don't recommend just diving into that as a way to get your travel paid for mm-hmm. because it really doesn't work like that very well. I would way more recommend looking into budget airlines hostels, and volunteering positions to someone who's just getting started traveling before I would recommend just credit cards. Because like I said, to get the bulk of those rewards, you usually need to spend several thousand dollars in the first few months to get the main bulk of the rewards. Yeah, And then after that, you continue to earn points with every dollar you spend. And when you're spending it on travel specifically, you're going to get more points. So someone who is, say, a digital nomad with a remote job, making a salary monthly and spending a lot on accommodation and travel and co-living hotels, et cetera, could be really worth it for them to have One of the travel credit cards, especially if they're paying it off every month.
2: Yeah. And a card that gets them a lot of points specifically for Mm -hmm. the category of travel, which is the main thing, right? Because each credit card is different. And the issue with recommending a specific credit card is that it might not be the best for that specific person. Each credit card. Yeah, like it's very Mm. tough because it depends on where you're going to be spending your money. For us, we spend a large majority of our money on travel. And so we get a card that gets a lot of points in the category of travel. Mm. Um, And then we also love the lounge passes. So we get a card that has priority pass access, which you'll see a lot of the premium cards give that, the ones with the higher yearly fee. Also, we get like random stuff, like we get our global entry or TSA pre-check for free. They they give us that credit back whenever we apply for that and spend that. And, you know, random, random little perks like travel insurance and stuff like that. And so, mm-hmm. you know, for us, we look for the very travel focused credit cards, but for someone else, they might be like, you know, I'm not really gonna spend that much money I don't know if I'll travel more than like once a year. So I don't need like the lounge pass and stuff like that. And then maybe they'll just want one that doesn't have any yearly fee. They get a bonus miles or points at the beginning of applying for that credit card. And then, you know, say you get a hundred thousand points on like Chase's portal, then, you know, that could be $1,200 worth of flights just through their portal. And then, that's fantastic. I mean, $1,200 for a car that maybe costs like a hundred dollars a year. Like to me, that's a pretty good deal. So yeah. you but know. then
1: every year you're going to get charged the fee. You need to make sure you're spending enough, making enough points back, et cetera. Exactly. So like I said, I still would stay, say that my position is that someone looking to really travel on a budget. So they're not going to be a digital nomad. They're just trying to do a season of travel with a little bit of money saved up and go as affordably as possible. I don't think a travel credit card is going to take you as far as, as you might think. And Mm -hmm. the financially responsible thing to do in my opinion is to look into budget options because I am the biggest fan of budget airlines. I, I guess to put it into words, I love that there are options for people to, to take a budget flight. I've never been the kind of person who just enjoys things that are fancy just because they're fancy, like brand name things that are the same quality as something without the brand name. Um, And I find that a lot of budget flights feel like that to me because I'd rather pack a little bit of food and save hundreds of dollars on my flight. And to some people's point, it's not always hundreds of dollars cheaper. So that's why you compare every time. I'm not going to fly the same budget airline every single time, just because I'm loyal to one airline, I'm going to check the prices every time. But sometimes it is considerably cheaper. We just found a $70 flight to Guatemala City from Denver and on French oh, wow. lines, which is a budget flight. And so and it's not every day of the month. It's a few certain days that they offer this flight for that cheap. But that is by far the cheapest option that you could fly on the way there, which is really cool, in my opinion, because that then it becomes much more accessible. So I love to see young people flying um, because they can now travel because there are airlines like Spirit and Frontier that are flying. um, Both of those airlines fly to quite a bit of destinations in the Caribbean, Central and South America. It's really cool. So I would always recommend people give budget airlines a chance you have to know what you're getting into. Comfort is not their main priority. So they're not going to be bringing around like a blanket and a pillow and stuff like that. Um, but if you're saving a lot of money, no TV, that's the benefit. Yeah. Um, when we first started traveling to South America, and still to this day, we are always flying spirit. Um, I think our first flight to Medellin was $120. Um, so that's like an 11-hour travel day for $120, which it's pretty tough to find even a flight within the States for that low. Yeah. Um, Wow.
0: That's a, that's a really good deal.
1: yeah. Yeah. So, and that's a pretty regular price, um, for spirit to a place like, uh, the top of South America. Um, and of course, when we're talking about flights and looking for budget flights, you know, you do have to consider the time of year. So the holidays or very peak season is always going to be more. And I think you mentioned, is there a specific day of the week or day of the year that travels are really, that travel is really affordable to book. And I don't think either of us really subscribe to like a certain day of the week being the cheapest. Like some people say Tuesdays are the cheapest, or there's like travel Tuesday, which is, um, after the tuesday after black friday that they're supposed to be deals i don't really think airlines work like that i think airlines are
2: i think historically like like just in like like only statistically yes there are days of the year that are just generally cheaper but you have to look at your specific situation mm-hmm. so yeah a lot of like these travel hack people would be like you have to book your flights on like a monday for flying on a saturday and all these like random things but you know we've noticed over our extended time traveling that um no you really just have to look at your specific situation you know whatever destination you're going to where you're coming from and whatever dates like the more flexible you can be the more likely you'll get a cheaper flight
0: that's awesome i appreciate you guys sharing that i think it's um You, one thing I learned from that was that um, a credit card isn't necessarily going to get you the most budget-friendly way of traveling and definitely that um, look into your options of all of the various um, airlines. So as we wrap up this conversation, I have a couple more questions that I want to ask you guys. Jess, I know you mentioned that you guys have been able to reach more people globally by increasing your online presence through the TWC accounts. Um, Was there a sort of content strategy you guys implemented or kind of how'd you guys do it?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's funny because we've never considered ourselves influencers and still mm-hmm. would not. I mean, I don't know the last time Gavin has logged into a social media account. Um, he maybe logs on and looks at some reels that his brother sends him like once a week maybe. I don't know. I don't think he's posted in years. So, Gavin doesn't really have a interest in social media, social media. He has an interest in meeting people on trips and playing card games with them. He's like the most social person in that aspect. In terms of sharing things on my side, really what helped was the change um, from kind of this curated filtered content, which for me was always really difficult to create when we were just traveling nonstop there wasn't time to stop, set up a tripod, try to get these beautiful photos. Um, And I will always give props to photographers because it's difficult work. Like it is an art form. It is tough. There's a lot that goes into setting all that up. And so we had a camera with us. We would have a drone with us sometimes. And we would try um, in the first several years of, of TWC to try to get photos and stuff for our own memories and to share. Um, but it was never really my strong suit um, for sure. I loved sharing stories. I loved writing. writing's always been a passion. So when the content that has now, that is now being shared the most, which is short form video mm-hmm. uh, became at the, the forefront of Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, even YouTube shorts. That was a huge change for us because it is so much easier for me to just get clips of whatever and kind of like the more casual, the more fun, the more that you get to see what our trips are really like, what uh, what we're doing, what these activities are like. You can really get a sense of, of what a trip is like or what visiting a place is like from these videos than for, you could from a still photo that's been edited and whatever. Mm-hmm. So that has been the most fun change for me because I can just share so much more. I can share funny stuff, travel fails, things that have gone wrong. Just honestly, it's so much more fun. And I I really like TikTok more than I like any other platform because I think it's the most casual. It's the most like raw and real. Um, and so we can just kind of post anything. We can make fun of ourselves. Um, and, you know, sometimes the, the teens come out and bully us in the comments, just like they do on every account. Like I've never been bullied in my life more than when I said I fly budget airlines. So <laughs> if you do take my advice and fly budget airline, beware because people will come out of nowhere um, and tell you off for just simply flying a budget airline. So just beware. Oh, uh, no. But yeah, it's fun because we can just show the real side of things. And so really not a strategy. It's just that worked. Mm-hmm that worked for us personally. It was more enjoyable. It's been fun. Um, Sometimes it's hard to do like day-to-day content, but that is a goal of mine is to start filming more behind the scenes of running the business side of things, some more decision-making that we make. Um, And like, as our team has been growing slowly over the last few years, um, we're not on every trip. And sometimes we're just doing more behind the scenes work. And so it's been really fun to, try to like challenge myself to show more of that as well um
0: so yeah that would be that would be really cool to see um you guys kind of create content around the behind the scenes and how you are sort of growing the reason I asked that question was because as I'm trying to build out this podcast one thing I've learned is that content is everything especially short form And there's so much that goes into it of just creating the thumbnails and figuring out what words and stuff will get the most clicks. And I vastly underestimated how much work goes into it. But it's cool that you guys have been able to build a following and use that to continue inviting people to have more cooler experiences and I guess the kind of the last question that I want to end this show on was, where do you guys see the future of TWC going? And are there any, is there one specific trip that you guys have in the future or one trip that you guys continue to go maybe once a year or whatnot that you guys look forward to that kind of rings it. That stands out.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, in terms of the trips that stand out, we we love all of them. We love going back to Iceland, possibly the most of anything we are heading to Guatemala next in just a few weeks. And we love being based in Guatemala. It's a great place to spend an extended amount of time. Mm-hmm. It's really Antigua and around Lake Atitlan is really um, an enjoyable place to kind of set yourself up for a few weeks. Um, We're really excited this year. We're launching our first trip to Jordan, which has special family ties to Gavin and his sister. Um, Peyton studied Arabic there, and they both have Palestinian family backgrounds, so they're really excited to have a trip there. Um, That's an exciting one, but yeah, we have lots of new trips that will be coming up. We, yeah, yeah we, we do go to, to Colombia.
2: Yeah, yeah, every year. Yeah. yeah, we've gone back to Colombia every year since uh starting our
0: yeah. travels. Yeah, our extended travels. Um is there that something that sticks out in Colombia or the people? Oh, the uh-huh. food
1: is amazing. Man. Uh-huh they have like menus of the day every day for lunch. So the food is amazing. The coffee, um, the Spanish, it's an amazing place to learn Spanish. Yes, People are clear, right. so you can really communicate. And I think we are both learning Spanish and it's our goal to be fluent. we use it a lot as we work, of course. Um, and so we use it a lot on our group trips and yeah, learning Spanish there is a amazing experience. People are very friendly and receptive to you practicing. So yeah, it's been a great place. We've just gone to chat and meet with a lot of people pretty much everywhere we go in Colombia. It's, yeah, it's a beautiful place. It
2: is. It's it's probably one of our favorite countries in the world, and we'll always continue to go back to Colombia um and explore new parts of the massive country that it is. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it's it's one of our favorites for sure. But
1: yeah,
2: um, you know, I think moving forward, you know, we, we love that we've gotten experience in so many different countries and that'll just continue to grow. We just, um, explored Argentina and Chile for the first time. And that was a very exciting, um, new place to explore because we fell in love with a lot, a lot of, um, the places we went on that trip and will continue to create trips there. Um, but we also, Yeah, just love to continue to travel back to the same places, meet the same people and friends and partners that we've created relationships with over the last few years. Um, Yeah, Portugal as well. It's funny, like we, um, one of our group leaders, Marie, she's fantastic. She, We took her to Portugal uh, for the first time and she fell in love with it so much that she decided to go kind of live there for a few months. And that was really exciting to see.
1: She'll be leaving some groups there, some TWC groups there while she's based there in the short term just because she loved loved it so much Mm -hmm. being there. So that's probably one of her top places. Um, Yeah, there's a lot for us. And we're excited to explore new places as well. Mm -hmm. But I think in terms of the future of TWC, you know, we don't see our group trip community growing into being something where there are just like dozens and dozens of trips going on like all the time. Um, We like that in the community how it is now a lot of travelers get to know each other and sign up for other trips together and
2: and get to know us and our group leaders really well and continue to travel with those few people.
1: Like our team of people are all really close friends and everyone that leads trips for TWC was either a family member or a friend who traveled with us for months and months before they became a group leader so it's something that we want to keep like close to our our hearts and so instead of launching just dozens of trips or something like that um, we're looking at kind of just expanding into other areas as well that um, all relate back to the same community back to travel and being a digital nomad, both of those things. So we are actually launching merch in the next week for the first time. We are looking at having other services for digital nomads um, and very potentially here in the U.S. as well. Uh, So yeah, that's kind of some of the things coming, um, hopefully in the next year. Yeah. But, we also have a lot of new group trips and remote working trips that we've already launched for 2023 as well. That yeah. It's sense. it's
2: balanced. You know, we, we pride ourselves on not ever getting um, too big to where like we have too many people in a group. So they all like, we want everyone in one group to get to know each other really well and to be able to kind of like have dinners together and do activities together. You know, a lot of these, Uh, companies that do similar stuff to us they have groups of like 40 50 people in one group and then you know it starts to like click off into different groups and we like the inclusive atmosphere where everyone kind of gets to be involved in all the miscellaneous activities and stuff that um, we facilitate yeah and so yeah that kind of translating into how many trips we do a year you know we also don't want it to be too many to where you don't know who's going to be on your trip like You know, we want you to be able to know each and every one of the people on the TWC team and be excited to get to know them and
0: travel with them more. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Gavin and Jess, I appreciate you guys coming on to the show. I think people will get a lot of valuable insights from this conversation. Are there any closing thoughts that you guys would like to end on? No, thanks for having us on your podcast. I appreciate it. Good luck
2: continuing to grow your podcast. Congrats again on on, uh, graduating. That's very exciting. Thank you.
1: Yeah, it was awesome to just kind of talk through everything. Um, I love that the quote you brought up really felt similar to don't be a tourist, be a traveler, which is kind of our theme of, of the whole community. So,
2: yeah. Um, yeah, no, we're excited for the next, next few years of TWC and, and where it'll go and all the people get to meet and, um,
0: yeah. Awesome. It'll be cool to see you guys grow. And it's cool that you guys um, created a business, if you want to call it, out of something you enjoy. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. No, thank you.